you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. That's 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. We thank Thee, O Lord, that Thou hast brought us here this day to worship You, the victor of all, the victor over death, the victor over hell, the victor over sin, the victor over our flesh. O Lord, may You give us a realization now in this hour that Thou art the resurrected Lord, and because You are resurrected, we too are and will be resurrected in Thee. O Lord, Show us this day the glory of what Thou hast done. Deliver us from self. Deliver us from all the things that burden us this hour. And Lord, may You be pleased to loosen my lips to speak Thy wonderful gospel that You have revealed and preserved in Thy saints throughout all time. Lord, may You be glorified this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm truly thankful that the Lord did in His tender mercies that He provides for His children each day, that He made provision for a day to set up, that He has set apart for us to, to reflect upon victory. I know that in my life, sometimes it comes very, it's very hard. It is. It's very difficult. Um, whether it be sickness, whether it be emotional things, whether it be things in the family, things that weigh me down. If it wasn't for this victory, this victory that is in Christ, I would be with Paul, as he said in this chapter, we, I'd have no hope. He'd be most miserable. If all I believed or all that the Lord revealed to me that this life was it, and that there's no life in Christ, what misery there would be. And so today, that's what I want to talk about, Lord willing. I, I pray that as the angel came in Luke 24, 6 and said that He is not here, but is risen. I pray that the words of Jesus Christ in John eleven twenty five ring forth for you today when He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That shows us our resurrection life in this life. And then he said, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And I know that that is a question this morning. Believe thou this? Believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, do you believe that He has made all provisions for all of His people? That as He came forth from the grave, He brought forth all of His children with Him? And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this chapter that we're in today that culminates with Paul saying these things. But why did he say them? Because there is great victory. Victory for the saints of God that He has provided. And this chapter begins 
with Paul saying this in verse 1, and I'm not going to cover the whole chapter and just hit highlights of it this morning, but in verse 1, Paul says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. And so we keep seeing this in Paul that he that his message never wavered. And you can read that throughout all of his epistles that he wrote, that the central message that Paul had was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that we have because of what Christ has done. And he said, basically here, I, I, I don't tire of it. It is the gospel. It is the good news to the child of God. And as I said as we began today, there's, there's a lot of things that afflict me this morning that, that I don't see victory in. That I don't see an end to. That I don't see triumph in. But I know, I know by the faith of the Son of God that He has won. That He will win. That He has delivered His people and will deliver His people. And as Paul said, I preach this gospel unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand. He wanted them to know there's no other gospel. It's the gospel of our risen Lord. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to set us free, who came to be life for His children, who came to provide everything that you or I could ever think or need. He has given life more abundantly. His grace is more abundant than our sin. His grace is greater than our sin. That to me today is the good news. So Paul talks about being called by the grace of God to speak the truth. And then we pick up this morning in verse 12 for our, verse, our first look at victory. Paul talks about the victory over the vanity of man's mind. And the, vic the victory that we have in Christ over our thoughts and the vanity that our thoughts lead us to in this life. And beginning in verse 12, he says, Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And of course, Paul lived and, and preached in a time that that was prevalent. Let alone, they didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. They didn't believe in the resurrection at all. And we live in a day like that too. We live in a day where man if they can't see something or they can't prove it scientifically, they willfully reject it. And then we have some who say they believe it, but when tried upon it, don't really understand it. Don't really, And that's the difference. I stand before you today and say the only reason I believe in the resurrection of Christ is because of Him. Because of His faith. I think about that a lot. I think about why... Why there's hundreds of people across the street and there's not many people here. I think about why, why there's thousands out in churches all across America today that want to hear a, a feel-good message not about Christ being victorious, but about themselves and about the vanity of life and how they can overcome the vanity of life in more vanity of life. But, it, but in, being put on a path of of self-help or do this to live or you can help yourself by 
let's not even talk about sin and let's not talk about the devil and let's not talk about what does truly weigh down the child of God. And I think, how could that be? And then I think, and then when the Lord brings him to, me to His Scriptures, He shows me that He's only revealed this truth to the babes. He's only revealed this truth to who the Father has elected before the foundation of the world to have these truths revealed. And then I think about the two on the road to Emmaus and, and how they were God's children, but yet at that moment they didn't have it revealed that Christ was right in front of them. And Mary didn't have it revealed that Christ was right in front of her until He opened their eyes. And, and that, to me, gives me great hope today that my hope is in another. It's in one who will open my eyes, who will cause me to see. As the blind man once said, he said, one thing I know, that which I didn't see, now I can see. That's the testimony of grace in the soul. There's many times, and, and I know we don't see a lot of that. We don't see that testimony in our lives. We don't see it in our children. We don't see it. We don't, we don't witness it as much as we want to witness it. But I got news for you. The Lord doesn't have to prove Himself every day of our lives to make His truth a reality. He does that by faith, not by sight. He does that by filling the child of God this morning with resurrection life. And He brings them away from the things of this earth and the things and the sins that beset us. And He reveals to us that He came out of the grave. And, he, and once and for all, He did away with those sins. And he dealt with them on the tree. His blood covered them. And He has set us free in Him. But let's go on. Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ, then is Christ not risen? But if Christ, and if Christ is not risen, now listen to this this morning. Listen to Paul's argument. I can't answer this for you. I can't answer this for me. Christ must answer it. Do you believe it? If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. Because Paul said, that's what I preach. I preach the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not vanity if He didn't rise from the dead. And your faith is also vain. Your faith. Each one of us in this room have a man's faith. We believe in things because we see them. We say it over and over. I see it because I believed it. No, I believe it because I saw it. I saw it happen in front of my eyes so I know it took place. We all have that. We all witness in our minds. That's the way they work. We see it. We believe it. And Paul talks about that vanity of faith is what we have. If Christ is not risen, if Christ isn't alive and reigning today, all we have is the faith of man. 
The vanity of this life. And you see it. I know you see it. You see it in those around you that get up every day, that live for the riches of this world, that live for the name of this world, that live for a title in this world. And all that they muster and all that they talk about is an emptiness, a vanity of faith in what they believe. Because Christ hasn't risen in their soul. Christ hasn't set them free. And if that's all we have, Paul would later say, if that's all we have, we're of all men most miserable. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Paul said, if the resurrection is not true, I'm a false witness of what I preach. And I have to say the same thing today. If Christ be not raised, everything that will be said today is a false witness of Him. Is a false witness of what He's done and what He's accomplished and it is finished. We are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised up whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So Paul gives them the argument that if Christ is not risen, there is no resurrection. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. He mentions it again. Your faith is emptiness. If we don't have the resurrection life of Christ in us, your faith is vain. Whatever you believe is emptiness. And that resurrection life of Christ in us will testify to us what Christ has accomplished for us in this life and the life to come. And ye are yet in your sins. And man sits there and says, well, how can you say that if I have faith? If I have a faith, that's all I need is to believe in something. But that's not true. There's only one saving faith, and that is the faith of the Son of God. Paul said in Romans 1, 4 and 5, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. Because of the resurrection of Christ, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. We obey by His faith. We obey because He came forth out of the grave. We obey because He lives among all nations for His name. In 1 Corinthians 6.14, Paul writes, And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His own power. That's how we are raised up in the resurrection life of, of experience in this life and the resurrection of the body that will come later. May the Lord be pleased to show us this victory over the vanity of man's mind. And that's what's right there in that section. And now we move on to the victory 
that we have in following Christ. You say, well, of course that's victory. I mean, he said he was the shepherd and my, my sheep will hear my voice and they shall follow me. But dear ones, this is the beauty of the gospel. We follow him in all things. In all things. And that's what verse 20 tells us. But now if, if, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Firstfruits. Christ went first. Paul, in his epistles and letters, wants us to know that Christ is the head and Christ has preeminence over all things. And because He does, because He has made the path for His children, for His sheep, all that hear His voice shall follow Him. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Now I think we're all very well versed in the fall of Adam. And I think we all understand what took place there as our head. We stood with Adam. When he fell, we fell. And plunged us into the most terrible misery. The most terrible death there could ever be. Loss of communion. Loss of, of any kind of relationship with God. Loss, with, loss of everything that we could have ever had. And now, Paul says, for since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. For as, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Our life is hidden in Christ. And our life is Christ. So even though it's, it's this great overruling of grace, they had... The first Adam came and plunged all of life, all of humanity into death. And then the second Adam would come and said, No, I will ransom them from the grave. I will save them from certain death. I will be life to them. And that's what Paul says, In Christ shall all be made alive. That's all that are in Christ. We have victory in following Christ. So I said, our text said, Paul said at the end of this chapter, thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the point. This victory is in no, in no other way. And I hope this morning that the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to you that Christ has made provision for you in all of your stages of life. And that's very important. Because as the days go on, as the years go on, you know, it's a funny thing. I'm 48 years old and I didn't have near the thoughts I did that I do now of death that I did when I was younger. And I see that in my children. Sometimes I try to talk to them soberly about life and death, but you could see it, you can understand it in what they have to say that it's just not that readily impressionable upon them today. And it wasn't for me at that age either. Believed I had my whole life ahead of me. 
And that's what we celebrate today is Christ's victory over that what we go through now where we have that sting of death and we think and we ponder about it being a finality. But Christ reveals to us that the reality is that there's eternal life in Him and that there is no death. So we need this victory. We need the victory to be shown us that because Christ went first, He will bring us there also. Colossians 1.18, Paul writes, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. In all things, dear ones. And we're going to see that today. In all things. Jesus said this of Himself in John 12.24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. As Christ came forth from the grave, He assured our death and resurrection in Him. We too will come forth from the grave. We too. And Paul's going to tell us what kind of body that is and all that stuff, so it's going to be cleared up. But that's what we celebrate. We celebrate life of resurrection life today that He has brought us from death and and sins and trespasses. But we also celebrate the death, I mean the life over the grave and life over death and life over this body that Paul, Paul would cry out, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? He called it a body of death. Why is that? Because it's riddled with sin. And that brings us to our next point that begins in verse 24. And that is the victory over death. This whole chapter and this glorious day is set apart to remind us we have a victory over death. And later on, Paul tells us something about this death. He kind of gives it a a monster look to it because it has a sting. It has ability to wound. It has the ability to, to try to take the very life from the child of God. But in 24, Paul says, Then cometh the end when He shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when He shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Experientially, there is an end to the reigning of sin in our life. That's the resurrection life that we celebrate today. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the the victory over sin in our life. But there will also be a a victory, a victorious day in which Christ brings all of His saints, all of His saints home to be with Him. All of them in a resurrected form. And that's what Paul's going to talk about. Then cometh the end. And that day is the day of the Lord. When the Lord will, will gather all of His people on the one hand and say, Well done. Welcome in to a kingdom that has been prepared for you. 
And to the others, there will be eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth. I shudder when I when I when I think about that. I, I my head starts to my hair stands up on the back of my neck. There's a lot of people I get attached to in this life. A lot of people I love. And I pray for at night that the Lord will reveal Himself to because of the reality of what will be if they doesn't. The reality of what is waiting for the reprobate and the reality of what is waiting and what we have in Christ. For He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. Verse 25. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Isn't that that one enemy that Hebrews, Paul wrote in Hebrews, that all our life we're subject to the fear of. All our life that, that death hangs over us. And you think about it. You think about it. What, what is it that makes us fearful of doing things or uh, going out in our cars or, or flying in an airplane or, or being around people who are sick or these things always in our mind it's a fear of death. And so we try to shield ourselves from those things the best way that we can. But Christ as the victory is the victory over death. When He came out of that grave, He made sure that death would not win. And it didn't matter what Satan tried to do and it didn't matter what all of man tried to conspire to keep that body in that grave. They took the biggest stone that they could take and they rolled in front of it and said, no man, put a sure... They put as many soldiers out there and said, no one will come and take this body. But death couldn't keep Him in the grave. Man couldn't keep Him in the grave. You and I, in the hardness of our sin nature, cannot keep Him in the grave. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and He has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. In Revelation 22.5, He said, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. There's no death there. There's no darkness there. There's no... There's nothing there to hinder the child of God in his worship of his Lord. Now hold your finger here because we're definitely going to be coming back and turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 60. This passage is very much like that one I just read out of Revelation. Isaiah 60 Beginning in verse 19, the sun shall be no more, thy, the sun shall be no thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. And the days of thy mourning shall be ended. 
Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. This is what He's done in the victory over death. He has brought glory to Himself and all of His people that He will bring to eternality in Him. To worship Him. There'll be no darkness. There'll be no hindrance. This is the day of victory. This is what we celebrate. Victory in Christ. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one a a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in His time. John said in... Going back to our text now in 1 Corinthians. John said in John 14, 19... Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. That's what Christ has secured for the child of God. Eternal life. He has secured a never-ending life. And, And I can't express that, and I can't show that to you, He has to. And as I said, in this life we get so much. You know, Paul told us we'll have the fear of death all 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 our life. We're subject to it. It comes so easily to us. When we get sick, when we find out that our body is fighting something or this body is breaking down because of sin. But the Lord in His great mercy and His great care for His children has showed us that we have victory over death. 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul writes, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." That's what I hope you see this morning. The light that is Christ and the immortality that is in Christ. And that leads us to the next point. The victory over this body of sin. As I said earlier, Paul Paul asked that question and Christ answered it for him. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And Christ's answer to him was, I will. I am your deliverance from this body of death. And we think about, if you, t- if you start in 35 with me, Paul writes this, he said, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Then Paul says these words, which is pretty astounding to me, because I thought that was a pretty good question in 35. I thought because of our inquisitive minds and how much we want to know about things, that it's okay to ask. Well, Paul says something. He says, Thou fool. Thou foolish one. It's foolish for us to get caught up in science when what the Lord has to reveal is through faith. And that's what I said. We have many arguments today with man who don't believe in the resurrection because of science or some other thing. But Paul said... It's kind of foolishness for us to to question the body that 
Christ has put on record and has showed us that He came out of the grave in. But no, we're going to sit there and get caught up in what kind of body it is. And Paul says, Thou foolish one, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. This body must die first. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God, this is it, this is the whole key to everything in 38. But God giveth it a body as it has pleased Him. And to every seed His own body. God has ordained this body that will be risen by the triune Lord is a body that He has ordained that we will have. Paul's going to call it in a few minutes. He's going to call it a mystery. Because there's so many things that we don't understand about it. But yet Paul also tells us we're foolish for trying to strain at a gnat follow a camel. So what did he write? What, is, what does this say about this body that the Lord said He'll raise again? Well, first we, we go to what He said in Philippians 3, 20 and 21. He said, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Now that right there should tell us a lot. This body that Paul said, the wretched body, this wretched man that I am, who could deliver me from this body of death? And then he calls it later a vile body. And that's, I hope by now in your life you understand that everything that has fallen apart in your body is because of sin. Sin that riddles this body. It's a vile body because of what sin has done to it. who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. That glorified body that Christ came out of the grave in. That is the... He was the first fruits. That's what we talked about first. He went first. His body that He raised, that the triune God raised out of the, the grave. And what do we know about this body? We know that nobody recognized it even though He stood right in front of them. But we also know that Christ walked this earth, Christ talked to them, Christ ate, Christ drank. Now Christ never had a body that had sin. But after He took all of the sin and discharged that, He was made sin, He got rid of all of that sin. And this body that came out of the grave is what ours is going to resemble. Because ours will not have sin. That's what he said. He shall change this vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able, able even to subdue all things unto himself. And that last point is, like I said, we don't even think about this. We've become very fond of the bodies that we live in. And all of us in here desire to take care of those bodies. Paul tells us that in Ephesians. What man doesn't care for his body? If we get hurt, we go and we bandage it. If we, if we uh, know that we're not feeling well, we take things to, to help this body feel better. But we can't eradicate it of sin. We can't take that sin away as Christ has. But God has given it a body as it has pleased Him. 
And that's what he had to say in Philippians. In Colossians, well, now, before we go there, let's turn back over to Romans 8 real quick. He says a couple more things here that lend us to a little, give us more idea. And starting in verse 10, if Christ be in you, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Did you hear that? The body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So we're told, if Christ lives in His children, He will quicken this body. And But when Christ does something, it is all sin is removed. He brings forth life in this body, and this body will not be what goes down into the grave, riddled with sin. And, and, I, and riddled with disease, and riddled with... I think we're all very thankful for that. Later in 22, he says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. You know that your, your spirit is groaning within itself. Why? Because of this warfare that we have going on down here, where sin riddles this body that we live in. But there is something in us. Christ, the seed, is in us that desires to be rid of this body. It groans waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. The provision made for a new body, a glorified body, one without sin. What a glorious thing Christ has done in making provision for all of His people. Now think about that every time we, we get called to go somewhere or something. We, we sit there and we look in our closets and we say, man, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear today? I've got all of these things to wear. It ain't going to be that way. Christ is going to robe us and put the robe of righteousness upon us and raise a glorious body to go and to worship Him and unite our spirit too to Praise Him all of our days. To worship Him all of our days. I think when I think more about why Paul wrote, Thou fool, I think it has something to do with us so much caught up with ourselves and our own understanding. How we matriculate things and how we think of things and how we want to think of things. And, and it's foolishness because this is only revealed by faith. Paul in Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. We shall appear with Him in glory in the body that He has prepared for us. It's, it's a, I thought about that this morning as I was thinking. Jesus said there was a body prepared for Him. And how glorious that is. We all take... We all love that time of year and we love to think about the Lord being made flesh and there was a body prepared for Him, but He has prepared a body for us. 
God prepared a body for him as he came into this world, and God will prepare a body for us as we leave this world. So we have victory over this body of sin, which then Paul tells us after going through all the different kinds of things in 42, he tells us that this body of sin is corrupted. I hope we can understand that. It is corrupted. And then first, we'll just pick up in 42, where he says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And that's not a ghost. It's a body without sin. It's a glorified body. It's the body that Christ came out with. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And praise be to God that there is. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Yes, it is the last Adam that gives life because the first Adam never could. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. All that, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we have, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's what we have in Christ. He wipes away that first image of the earth. And now, now when you hear us say how much death there is to have our talons and our feet entrenched in this world and to have our claws in this earth because we, we, we want to hang on to it so bad, we want to we live here as long as we can. We, that's why the Lord calls us strangers and pilgrims. Because we look for a land that is safe and secure in Christ. Spiritually and ultimately. We look for a place where Christ is, is all in all. Spiritually and ultimately. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I'm thankful that my flesh will not enter the kingdom of God. My human nature will not enter the kingdom of God. That that is defiled will not enter into the kingdom of God where He is perfection. Why? Because He's made provision. And He cares for His own. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. Oh, how true it is. It is a great mystery. But before we go there for the last part, let's, let's go to Job 19, if you will. So last, last journey today as far as where we'll go. Now we all know Job was one of the first men that God ever put on this earth. I think about that a lot because of what Job went through. But Job, what he saw, 
what he saw. And this is what we talk about and rejoice in today. Job 19.25 For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job, how do you know that? He hasn't even came in time yet. But he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was revealed to His saints in the old as He's revealed to His saints in the new. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that He shall stand at the latter day upon this earth. I know that He's coming in time. I know that He's going to lay down His life for me. That's what we celebrate. Job saw it by faith. The same faith we we look back and see and look forward to see. The same faith. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. It was revealed to Job that he would stand, his body would be eaten away, but his body would be given back to him in some form. He would see the Lord that way. Many, many years before any resurrection. Tell me the Lord doesn't provide for His children throughout all the ages and whatever age they live in. Let's go back to our text as we read up to our text in 57. Now we, we come to 51 and we have the summary of Paul, Paul's summary of this victory that we have in Christ. Behold, I show you a mystery. Behold, this gospel that I preach, I know it's a mystery, but it's now been revealed to the saints. It's been revealed to those who the Lord opens their eyes to. It's been hidden from all these ages. And it will continue to be hidden to the world. Paul said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. See, the Lord made provision for all. Paul said, Paul said it's such a mystery. Um, it doesn't matter if when the Lord comes again, there's people here. We're all still going to be changed with the same body, the same glorified body. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? And as I said at the beginning, death has a sting. It is quite a monster to us, but the Lord must disarm that sting. And He takes that sting by His resurrection life. O grave, where is thy victory? He's quoting Hosea, who in Hosea 13, 14 said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plague. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Oh, the Lord has... I, I say this over and over because I am in awe of it. As a dad, all through my children's life, I've, I've tried to provide and tried to foresee and tried to do things that I thought they would have need of and tried to teach them and raise them and, 
and what they would need in this life to come and how to function in this life to come. But I know I fall so short in that. I know there's many things I didn't do and many things I did that probably were more harmful to them than... But see, I couldn't provide that way for them. But Christ provides this way for all of His people. And He has made provision for all of this life in Himself and all in the life to come. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And then our text. Now we know what He means. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the victory we have today. What has already been said, and may the Lord add much more victory to your soul. May He come today and reveal to you the victory that we have in Him as He will carry us through this life and carry us home to the life the next. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast in what Christ has done. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what victory is. Abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know not that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And may the Lord, by that great faith that He